0: everyone. Good morning Veritas. Good morning to all of you at home. I'm so glad we're all together like this as you're getting settled in and straightening out your blanket and all that. Uh, let me introduce myself because a lot of you are newer to our church family. My name's Jeff and I'm one of the pastors here and man one of the greatest privileges I feel like I have is to open this this book and, and walk with you through the truths that are coming to us it's the most familiar place right to be able to say look a lot of things I don't know and all of a sudden I open this book and I feel settled I feel like I'm, I'm hearing the right voice coming at me and so that's going to be my privilege uh, is to help us walk through some truth this morning some really timely truth I feel like um, and in fact if you are newer to Veritas I want to Man, encourage you to really dive into what we're doing as we're going through. What we're doing is going through the book of 1 Corinthians. It's deep into the New Testament, the book of 1 Corinthians. And um, man, here's what we do, you guys. We just grab a book of the Bible. We start at the beginning and work our way through it. And we just started this last week. So this is, even if you're unfamiliar with with your Bible, this would be a great opportunity to dig in with us. Just start with chapter 1 and even read ahead. That's legal. That's fair. You can read ahead, you know, and, and see where we're about to go and familiarize yourself with the story, and then we're going to go through it together. Um, there's going to be opportunities to jump into connection groups, whether in-person or virtual, and you can do that and just get as much as you can out of these times in the Word. So um, that's, that's our goal. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Last week, Mark launched us into this book by reading and working through the first nine um, Verses of the first chapter. I I just want to look at the first couple verses to take us into the next section that we're going to cover Because some really important things in the introduction That I I believe we have to have locked in as we sweep now into uh, verse 10 and following okay So here's how he introduces himself in this book the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth He says this Paul called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will and Sosthenes our brother to the church of God at Corinth. Okay, just right there, if you're an underliner in your Bible or whatever, that's that's one of the most memorable lines for me in this book is just the church of God at Corinth. Like this is God's church that happens to be in Corinth, just like this is God's church. We happen to be called Veritas. We happen to be meeting here in Tiffin, but, but this is God's church. We're gonna talk about that a little bit uh, this morning. So the, to, to the church of God, at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints, with all those in every place who call in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both their Lord and ours. Okay, just a couple implications from those opening lines that are then going to help us make good sense, I think, out of where we're going to spend more time this morning. One, just that idea of being the church of God at Corinth, the church of God called Veritas in Tiffin in the Iowa City area. Um, guys, what a privilege it is to be called a child of God, to be part of his church. And you guys, this isn't like any other, I don't know, social club or something where you can kind of join and then not join. I'm going to be in this frat for a while, then I'm going to not. I'm going to join this gym, then I'm going to not, whatever. No, we are called into this thing called the church of God. And you guys that are Believers in Christ, you know what that's like. We're not out there looking for God. He comes looking for us and he calls us and he draws us in, and we find ourselves in this company of God's people. And and suddenly we've got new friends and new family members and and a whole new life, a whole new path, out of the darkness, into the light. We are part of God's church. What a privilege. And that should carry us as we think about what the what a joyful privilege it is to be called God's church. And the second thing about that is we've got to think about what an eclectic thing god's church is like he says it in this way to all those every in every place who call in the name of the lord jesus christ that that's true in a in a micro way like right here in this church family and then even as we look at the macro level of god's church so you, you look around here and you're like man this is a this is a pretty ragtag group of people around here right these are Man, we've got people of all shapes and sizes. Some are really tall and slim, like me, you know. Some are shorter and heavier. You know, I'm I'm just saying, like, you look around, there's all sorts of shapes and sizes and colors, and there's guys from Osage, people, right? Got a big whoop. I don't know why, but good. Um, (laughs) Because we're all shapes and sizes, right? You're excited about that? You are excited about that. You're still laughing about it. I love it. a guy from Osage can be friends with a guy from Chucktown. That would never happen outside of, of the church of God, right? There's, there's things that would never be a natural draw to be together. And suddenly we find ourselves like, man, I'm so glad to be here, but what an eclectic group. And, guys, that's also true, and this is important, again, for what we're going to be talking about. Whole church families end up taking on kind of personalities, right? So, like, the church at Corinth probably looked and felt a little different than the church in Ephesus, Probably looked and felt a little bit different than the church on the island of Crete where Titus was and those kind of things, right? Because because they kind of take on personalities. But here's the thing, he's saying, All those who call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ were part of God's church. And I want us to remember that because we're gonna we're gonna march to a different drumbeat because of that. We're we're part of this magnificent thing called God's church. What an eclectic group, right? Here's the cool thing. I was thinking about just about this church family. So I don't know how many other church families you've been part of. Maybe this is your first one. But there's this pretty dynamic range of ages at Veritas. That's one of the things that kind of marks us, I think. And I was thinking about how cool and unique that is. And I thought, what I love about that is actually some of the most, like, youthful in heart, hungry, teachable people I know are some of the people in this crowd who have the grayest hair, (laughs) you know. And I want to say on the other side of that, some of the wisest, like old soul people that you could really trust that are super wise and grounded are some of the youngest people in this church family. It's such a cool, eclectic family. And I, yeah, I love that. Okay. But all of us, here's, here's where I want to land this and we're getting into our, our text. All of us are called to a glad surrender under the lordship of Jesus Christ. This is God's church, not ours. This is my church, your church. No, this is God's church. And all of us, look at that. We call in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. He'll end up saying, Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll talk about this in a few minutes here, but we all are under the mastery of Jesus Christ. God is our Lord. He's the one that calls the shots. We're in a glad surrender to him. Now, why do I bring all that up? Because here's the tension point I want to raise now. Those are all happy thoughts. I want to raise the tension point that I believe the Apostle Paul is going to help us with today. Brothers and sisters, that's the way he addresses us. Brothers and sisters in this family of God called Veritas meeting in Tiffin. We need some schooling on what it means to be the church. I think we need some re-teaching some recalibration of what it means to be the church. And here's why I I want you to feel the tension of the passage we're about to go through. Because the lessons that we're getting on the street right now about how to act, we're getting some bad messages out there. It's actually a travesty of, of the way people are acting kind of outside of the church of God. And unfortunately, I feel like the church of God is listening way too much to the lessons we're gaining kind of on the street, rather than from this sacred book, God himself who says, hey, my people, listen to me on how we act. Here, let me give you an example. Just this last week, um, I'm reading in the the newspaper. This one happened to be online. Um, And there was one of the most terrifying photos to me. There was a, a town about the same size, maybe a little smaller than Iowa City, was having a protest and it wasn't one of the big ones it wasn't one of the ones that caught national attention it was a smaller again uh quite a ways from here cities smaller than ours and there was a protest going a political protest and some counter protesters came to confront the protesters counter protesters the picture that they showed in this in this thing maybe you guys saw this this guy has his his hand around the throat of his this other dude and he's throwing him Up against a vehicle. And in that moment, the poignant moment that this photo is taken, you guys, the look of sheer panic and fear on the guy who now has somebody's hand around their throat and the look of rage and ferocity and hatred in the face of the guy who had his hand on this throat. And then there's this lady behind the guy with his hand on the throat trying to pull him back. And in that moment, it just... You know how a picture paints a thousand words, right? It, it was one of the most gripping, terrifying, and this is not in one of the big national ones that's getting all the headlines. This is in a smaller town than, than we live in, and a minor little protest out there. Here's what I'm saying, guys. Um, we live in a world that's teaching us some stuff about how to interact with each other, but we can't learn that stuff, okay? One of the guys that they interviewed in this thing, um, He was a historian. Here's what he said about that moment. He said, you know what? We're sort of at the stage of polarization where there are more and more people who are seeking confrontation. Where they're not merely, merely satisfied with disagreeing with the other side or yelling at the other side, they want to confront. He said, let me repeat, we are not just a polarized society. We are increasingly a confrontational society right now. That's a historian who's looking back at this stuff saying that, right? Guys, we have to unlearn some of the stuff we've been learning about how our friends and neighbors and, and, and people are reacting out there. That's got no place in God's church. And I believe that point of tension, God is going to help us. It, it, this, this text could not have been more perfectly assigned for us to go through than, than it could be right, right now. Okay, so we're going to start in verse 10, 1 Corinthians 1.10. Um, and we're just going to make some observations about what we learn as we go through. So 1 Corinthians 1.10 says this, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. I want to read that one verse alone. We're going to take a few implications out of this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you agree in what you say. The first observation comes from what I was saying out of those first couple verses, and now here again. Guys, what God is wanting to talk to us about is how we act in God's church. This isn't about them. This isn't our time to, you know, to, you know, wag the accusing finger at all those people out there doing all those things, making headlines out there. No, no, no. He's saying, hey, Brothers and sisters, I'm talking to you. I'm talking about the church of God right now. And and I, I want us to think about that because the other spheres out there are not necessarily his concern. Not as we read this text right here. I hope that other people in other spheres of influence can learn from the church, but that's not his concern, actually. He's not speaking to politicians. He's not speaking to protesters. He's speaking to his people, God's church, right? Right now in our little micro you know, society here, we've got some pretty high tensions going on, right? Should schools open? Some are, you know, very strongly, yes! Some are very strongly, no! Right? And it's, it's becoming this polarized thing within the family of God as we, as we think about some issue, important issues, right? They're important issues. That's why we think a lot about them. A lot of parents think a lot about this stuff. You guys, we've got this election coming up. Maybe you haven't noticed, right? There's an election coming up, you guys. Election coming up. Man, if, if, if I'm reading, you know, the articles and speeches, right, we are either, we've got two choices. We are either going to, at, at, at the election, either usher in the apocalypse or elect a totalitarian and life will never, ever be the same either way, right? Two choices, apocalypse or totalitarianism. Like, r- really? Those are only two choices? I, I beg to differ, right? I look through history. I don't know that it's that Awful, but I'm telling you, that stuff is going on. And then it creeps into the church, and we get brothers and sisters at each other's throats in ways. Here's what I'm saying guys, I would hate to be in civil leadership right now. And some of you are in those places. When I think about the school superintendents, when I think about city councilmen and women, when I think about other elected officials, when I think about CEOs of companies that have to be thinking, okay, how can I think about safety? How can I think about. the economy of of, of the different people, and how can I think about their health, all these different things that they're trying to juggle and make wise decisions. I'm saying, I I don't know how all of those different people are are sleeping at night. Those are complex issues, and I think we have to, like, give some space for people to make even bad decisions they're trying. But look, all I know is this. I can't get so embedded in trying to think how everybody should respond. You know, those other spheres, right now, I've got to think about one thing. I am a Christian, right? We just sang that song. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Like, that's our declaration in this moment. That has to tyrannize our thinking. When we're here in this place and among God's people, we've got to march to a different drumbeat than all those other spheres seem to be right now that are pulling apart at the seams. In God's church, Jesus Christ is calling us to a a new set of rules. Observation number two. So this this is about us, not them. And then the second observation, guys, family is a really big deal to Jesus. Family is a really big deal to Jesus. You guys look at those first words in in verse 10. I urge you, I'm pleading with you, brothers and sisters. You guys, the apostle Paul that's writing this will use that phrase brothers and sisters 39 times throughout this book. He's appealing to them on a familial basis. He, he lived with them. He set up shop right down the street to, to, to you know, kind of embed himself in the city of Corinth and get to be family with them. And he's calling on them as brothers and sisters, pleading with them. Here's the thing. Jesus cares a lot about family and he wants his family to be united. I want you to jot down, if you can't get to it, John 17. I want to read a couple verses out of John 17, starting in verse 20. Here's what Jesus says. Here's Jesus' plea to his father as he prays. He's about to go to the cross. I I can't imagine the number of things going through his mind on his heart as he's now facing the crucifixion. But here's what Jesus prays to his father. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Understand this. Jesus is praying for you in that moment. He's saying, Father, I'm praying for those guys right through those trees over there that are, that are waiting right beyond those trees, but I'm, I'm praying for more than that. I'm praying for all those who would end up believing because these guys get the gospel out. That includes people way in Iowa, you know, in 2020. So I'm praying for them. May they all be one. Here's his prayer. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me. The familial term, Father. May they be one in you, I, 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 Father. As you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. May they all sense that they are adopted sons and daughters. May they all sense that they are brothers and sisters. May they sense a great family bond of unity and understand, guys, look what he says. So that the world may believe that you sent me. Guys, do you understand what Jesus is saying there? The gospel is at stake when we start talking about unity. The, the way he says, Father, the rest of the world out there will know for sure that you are real, that I'm real, that this gospel is real, is by seeing the unity of your people. So when that thing starts getting fractured, when our unity starts getting fractured, we actually damage the, 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 the growth of the gospel. One simple analogy. Yesterday... Uh, my my daughter and son-in-law are are moving to Iowa City. It's cool, we're gonna introduce them here in a couple of weeks. James is back there keeping everything going technically uh, today, but they were moving in and so many people came to help them move that that some of their neighbors are coming by and they're like, where'd all these people come from? Oh, they go to our church, they're like, holy cow, that almost makes me want to go to church, you know? And then I guess the wife says, no, 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 you know, or whatever. But, but for a moment there, right, the unity of, of God's people helping each other, you know, was like remarkable to them. Like, man, I even want to go to church. Yeah, I guess I don't. But for a moment I did, right? So it, I'm saying Jesus is saying one of the marks of his people, his family, is the love and the unity that we have for each other. Okay, observation number three. Guys, we need to talk more about what unites us. Than what divides us? We need to talk more about it. Where do I get that? In verse 10, here's what he says that all of you agree in what you say. That, that's almost a complete literal translation, right from the Greek, that you say the same thing as each other. What unity looks like is you say the same thing as each other. Now, it's not lost on the Apostle Paul that brothers and sisters don't always agree on everything, okay? i don't know if that's true in your family think about your siblings if you have siblings do you just always agree on everything oh my word heavens no right I, like i think of my own well my siblings that's you know goes without saying but even with my kids i mean very loving we're all really tight but man it's a lively i would call my children spirited okay in the way that they go after conversations and at, to the point where as different ones would come in like Jane's and different ones would be introduced into our family Often my kids would have to say, "Hey, Dad, um, every family doesn't express themselves quite as much as our family does. Can we tone it down until they kind of get used to us, right? Because every conversation that comes up, ah, you know, we're all in there. But, but there's one thing that unites us: it's our love for each other, right? So I, I still remember actually when Audrey and James got married, you know, and she's got these three brothers, and there's always wrestling. And now as they got older, you know, wrestling with words, and and." Audrey and James, it's at the end of the reception. And their sister, Audrey, one girl, these you know, these three boys, this one girl. And she, she's like the prize of everybody in the family. And those guys are about to walk out the door at the reception. And all of a sudden, I feel an arm go around me. And it's my son, Colin. He comes up. He wraps his arm around me. And, and we're both just staring at Audrey, go through that door with James. And I look up at Colin. and He's got tears running down, down his face, right? How could we have given her to him? No, that's not what it is. He's not crying. He's crying out of joy. It, it, it was this moment, though. He loves his sister so much. right? No time for argument. There's one thing that unites us. It's, it's our love for each other in those moments. Like, nothing else matters. There's no arguments going on. We're just bound in unity. Here's the thing. We've got to talk more, you guys, about what unites us, and he gives it to us right here. The Lord Jesus Christ. You guys, in these few verses of these opening lines of 1 Corinthians, He has used the full title, Lord Jesus Christ, six times. Look with me up. Verse 2, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse 3, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again in verse 10, Lord Jesus Christ. The full, every name that he has, Lord Jesus Christ. Why? That's what unites us. He's wanting to say, that's our banner. That's what we should be talking about. When we talk about his lordship, like I said at the beginning, it's a declaration. Hey, guys, we're, we're under the God of the universe. He's the head of this church. He's the one that tells us how we're supposed to be acting. He's the, he's the master of the house, right? The God of the universe. We take a knee of glad surrender because he guides his children well. The lordship of Jesus Christ. Then Jesus that God of the universe came and dwelt among us. That's his like human name. That's like his common name, Jesus. He he came down and dwelt among us and he taught us and he, he let us see what it looks like to be truly human, perfectly human. What does that look like? What does that sound like? The Lord Jesus, he came and dwelt among us and he is the Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one that had been promised all the way from Genesis 3 in the fall that there'd be one that would come and crush the snake, that, that would free us from our sins, bring forgiveness, that would go to the cross, that would go to, through the resurrection and ascension, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, we've got to talk a lot more about Jesus. We've got to get together and, and start putting to the back burner some of those important issues, and they are, and we can talk about those. But when all of a sudden the Lord Jesus Christ gets put on the back burner, when all of a sudden we're not talking much about Jesus anymore and about all this other stuff, well, no wonder we're fractured just like everybody else around us. We've got to come back to talking more, right? We might disagree on schooling issues. We might disagree on mask issues. We might disagree on election issues. There might be really important things that we can talk about, but if all those dominate us and we're not talking about Jesus Man, no wonder then we end up having disunity, division, fractions, and that's, that's what's going on in Corinth. So my fourth observation actually is this. The church is not immune from division, and it's actually going on in the city of Corinth. That's why he's even bringing this up. The church is not immune from division. So here, look back at, at verse 11 now with me. Here's what's going on in Corinth. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters. There he is invoking that again. Come on, family. It's been reported to me about you, brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people, that there is rivalry among you. Maybe underline that word rivalry. He's going to be talking about that a lot. Rivalry among you. Here's what I'm saying. One of you says, oh, I belong to Paul. Or I belong to Apollos. Or I belong to Cephas or I belong to Christ. Look, is Christ divided? Wait, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in, in Paul's name? Man, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. So none of you can say you were baptized in my name. And then he has a, a moment like a 57-year-old would have, oh wait, I did in fact baptize the household of Stephanas. <laughs> Like Wait, now that I'm thinking about it, anyway. But beyond that, I don't recall if I baptized anyone else. Wait, maybe I did. No, you, know, is what like, you know why? It wasn't that important to him. He wasn't keeping a tally of all the people that he got to baptize. Hey, I'm one up on Apollos. No. He's like, I, you know what? Actually, I don't even remember who I baptized that day. The church is not immune from division. And in fact, here's the scary thing. This rivalry, these party lines here is what's really scary about this. I want you to listen in on this. Here's what's really scary about this. All of them are claiming the higher spiritual ground in their rivalry, right? All of them are claiming the high ground spiritually. Like, oh, I'm of Peter. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Peter. You know why? He's the dude that started this whole church. He's the first one. I'm a Peter guy. I'm going back to our roots. I'm going back to our ground. I'm, I'm a Peter guy oh no, I'm an Apollos guy. No, he's, have you heard that guy preach? He's so insightful. He's so masterful. And he's kind of a next generation leader. I'm an Apollos guy. No, you know, I'm, I'm a Paul guy. Guys, you can remember Paul. He's like our father. He's the one that lived here with us. He's the one that he set up shop right down the street. Remember most of us were led to Christ by I'm a Paul guy. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Christ guy. You know, I don't, I don't go for your factions and your sectarian. No, no, no. I'm a, I only read the Sermon on the Mount because I'm just a Jesus guy. I don't even, Peter who, right? I mean, they're all thinking they're taking the moral and spiritual high ground in this thing. And all of them really believe that they're in the ivory tower that can look down on everybody else. This within the church, even claiming spiritual leaders as their way of fracturing and dividing the church of God. Guys, we are not immune from this stuff. It seeps in in really dark deceitful ways, the allegiances, the factions, the tearing apart. So I've got a confession to make, you guys. Um, As one of the leaders here at Veritas, we have had a hard time knowing how to guide our church family through some of these difficult waters that we're in, right? Even the idea of how we meet how do we serve the people online? How do we serve the people here? We haven't known. And so here's what go, the personal confession. I can't speak on behalf of the other elders, but here I have a couple voices that I've gone to, a couple guys that really influenced me. One is John MacArthur, another one is Russell Moore. Okay, John MacArthur. This is more information that you guys want, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but John MacArthur was a, a, a pastor to me when I was living in LA one of the first voices when I first gave my life to Christ that helped shape how I understand the Bible, he, he actually helped Teresa and I even financially get through seminary. Like, he was a true kind of father figure to me for many years. So when it came to, I don't know if you've seen, he's getting a little press right now. <laughs> Um, how how things are going with his church. He's made a very decided move, okay, of how they're going to assemble Grace Church in L.A. And then I've got Russell Moore. Russell Moore has shaped me more in how I think about this contemporary world and what's going on uh, culturally, societally. Russell Moore, I brought him here. Some of you guys came when Russell Moore came. You guys came and heard him when he spoke. You guys, John MacArthur, Russell Moore, I think so much of both these guys. They think very differently about what's going on right now, about how to assemble the church. I'm of Russell Moore. I'm of John MacArthur. Well, what do you do with a guy like me that I'm divided right in half, right? I don't know who my, who's my allegiance to. And here's, here's the reality. We can't just find a dude, a human leader and say, you know what? I'm of that guy. I'm of that guy. And if you're not with me, you're against me. And you know, have you read these articles? Have you read these? You know, guys, here's what I'm saying. This this division seeps into the church, and suddenly I'm posting and reposting, and this is my guy, these are my, this is my team, this is my camp, and the rest of you better learn, right? Guys, can you see how this is seeping into God's church? How all of a sudden that ugly stuff that we see out there has suddenly emerged in here? Guys, I was reading through this passage, and and I'm letting God first start working on it through me, and I said, oh, God, help me. I think it's time for me and all of us to confess when we've started taking our cadence from the way people out there are acting and we just adopt those practices instead of coming back to the truth. We are not immune from division, which is why here's my last observation. Last one. Here's what we need to rally around, guys. We need to identify with Jesus. Look at the very last verse that we're going to cover. Verse 17. Guys, brothers and sisters, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not not with eloquent wisdom. Like, I'm not trying to win a crowd. I'm not trying to be the best. No, no, no. I want to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect, right? So so that it won't be powerless because I've I've blown it. I've taken the, the focus off Jesus and onto me, and oh, what a tragedy that would be to make the cross of Christ powerless right now, emptied of its effect. So here's my here's my final observation from this text. Guys, you need to identify with Jesus Christ. I, I don't know what other party you're aligned with or whatever decisions, and those are important ones, and I, I'm saying you should care about other issues as well. But what I'm saying is when it comes to being a Christian, you are a Christian first, a child of God first. You should learn that song that we sang right before this message. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. That should be your, the banner that flies over your life. And if you're not yet baptized, you should get baptized and you should let whoever wants to baptize you. Don't wait for the superstar, right? Don't wait for Russell Moore to come. You know, I'm a Russell Moore. I got baptized by him. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Paul is not diminishing baptism. In fact, what he's saying, you know what? The assumption is every one of these Corinthians is baptized. (laughs) All the believers are baptized, right? He's saying, but don't, I love it at Veritas. We don't just have the clergy, right? That's a weird word. The clergy do the baptisms. We let whoever influenced you the most in Christ, a friend, a a connection group leader, whoever that is. I'm, I'm saying identify with Jesus Christ. This is your moment to say, look, I don't know what my stand is on all sorts of other issues. I know this. I'm a child of God, and I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to swear allegiance to Jesus Christ, my Lord, right? He is my master. He is my Savior. And then, for all of us, we just need to start talking a lot more about Jesus because here's the reality. Brothers and sisters, if you win your argument about masks— and never tell anybody about Jesus along the way? Is that a win? It's a loss, guys. If, if you pick the right candidate to win the election and along the way, never win anybody to Jesus Christ, is that a win to the people of God? We got that, we got that right. We got right. And yet there's Jesus kind of left on the back burner or not in the conversation at all. Man, again, important issues. I'm not minimizing the the big cataclysmic issues coming our way, and I think about them as well. But this passage is recalibrating me to say, you know what, I'm here for one purpose, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I might not do that very well, I might might not win the day, I'm not gonna get preacher of the year, you know, whatever it is, here's what I know. I'm not out to win any other argument but this. I want people to know Christ. Yes, sir. Okay, one more confession. And we're, by the way, we're going to have communion. If you're if you're one of the servers and and part of the worship team, I'd love it if you started making your way because this is the text that should drive us to communion. But here's what I want to say. Yesterday, I, we were helping my my daughter and, and her husband uh, move in her house. And so many people showed up that Audrey was like, oh, Dad, could you go get more coffee and donuts? I don't think we have enough coffee. So I ran to the grocery store and I'm in a hurry, right? And this lady out in the parking lot, I'm trying to throw everything in the car to get back. And here's, what she goes, man, uh, you know, I'm here. I'm here from Nevada for my son. I can't get back home because I'm like, oh yeah, that's, man, that's too bad. Yeah. Oh, I know. And things are going, and she kept trying to engage me in a longer conversation. And I wasn't totally rude. I stopped and had conversation with her, but you know what was going on the whole time in my mind? I was thinking, I got to get these, coffee and donuts back because people are helping them, you know, and I get on the, and about a block down the road, all of a sudden it was like Jesus saying, wait, you remember that text you've been thinking about? I bet that lady needed far more to be welcomed to a church where they're proclaiming Jesus Christ than to just talk about trying to get home and camp because of coronavirus. And you know what I did? I talked to her about coronavirus I didn't talk to her about Jesus. And in that moment, you guys, I just felt crushed. I was like, Jesus, I'm off kilter in these areas. Bring me back to the purity and simplicity of devotion to Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So guys, the way that Jesus gave us to come back to the cross of Christ over and over is communion. And, And I... Totally know that for some of you, um, you wouldn't feel comfortable going to these tables. It's okay. It's, it's okay. In your heart and soul, be taking communion. But for those that feel comfortable, and we're taking measures to make it as safe as possible for you. In fact, there's even uh, this table over here is a gluten-free, right? The gluten-free table is right over here. And then there's tables all around the perimeter here. Here's what I want you to do. If, if, you, if you're a child of God and, and feel comfortable, safe to go to the table. Redeclare your allegiance to Jesus Christ in this moment. Say all over again, Jesus, this is actually about you, and I need to come back to the cross first, and then I need to let those words spill from my lips at every opportunity. Let Jesus Christ our Lord be proclaimed in this city, in this place. Guys, that lady in that parking lot, she needed hope, she needed family, she needed Jesus. I, I I want a do-over, right? And this is our moment to have a do-over, where we come and confess our sins and let Jesus recalibrate our souls. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to start singing. I, in fact, why don't you guys stand up right now, and um, I want to give you a little bit of space right here in this moment. Will you... You just pray to Jesus tell him again or maybe for the very first time Jesus I want to be a child of God that's who I want to be and in this moment he will bring you to his fold that calling that I talked about he's gonna call you out of darkness into the light Let's reconfess Lord, Jesus Christ. So, Jesus, we stand here a broken people. Amen. Our ears just keep hearing all these competing voices and we get all riled up and we get pretty frothed up and contentious. And that stuff matters, Lord. We, We need help. We need wisdom in all sorts of areas out there. Please give us guidance and wisdom God I pray right now for all sorts of people in authority whether that's a CEO an elected official so many they're having to make really difficult decisions rather than bark at them I want to pray for them right now would you give wisdom and guidance in difficult difficult times but here we are we're your church we're your people we're brothers and sisters in this moment we once again swear our allegiance to you the way we do that is we take communion. For some, it'll be baptized. Lord, I pray you'd press into them, get you know, bold and courageous enough to be baptized for all of us today. This is a time to remember again the cross of Jesus Christ. Not only let it fill our hearts and souls all over again, but then through us, let it be our proclamation all this week. We love you, Jesus Christ. We want everybody to know you. So hear us as we pray, receive our worship. We pray these things in your name.